May the grace, mercy, and peace of God our Father enable us to be blessed as a church family united together in his word. Amen. Dear people united as one in Christ. On this Memorial Day weekend, we give thanks for all those who have served in our armed forces, who have gone into battle and given their lives for our freedom. In Peter's epistle today, he's talking about a battle as well. A war against the evil foe. And he writes, If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? If the righteous is scarcely saved. It's kind of a sobering verse for us to consider this morning on this last Sunday of the Easter season. For seven weeks now, we've been rejoicing in the resurrection of our Lord, his atonement for our sin on the cross and his great victory over death in his resurrection, as well we should. Easter is the greatest of all seasons, the most important season in the church's year, the season that all the others revolve around. Without Easter, we are nothing and we have nothing. Without the resurrection of Jesus, the church is only a fantasy, and therefore we celebrate Easter long and loud. And also this week we celebrated the ascension of our Lord, Jesus' coronation day. The fact that our brother and Savior is now sitting on the throne of David at the Father's right hand, ruling all things for the good of his church. Another reason to rejoice, which the disciples did after Jesus ascended. They weren't sad that Jesus had left, as we might expect, but they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, Luke tells us. They knew this was a good thing. They also knew the world was still a dangerous and dark place. That there would be, as we heard from Peter today, fiery trials. That Christians would suffer for their faith. That the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Now, usually when we say something like the world is a dangerous place, we think of terrorism. But not these days. These days we think of a virus and the spreading of a deadly illness. But today, with these words of Peter, we are reminded that there is a greater threat than even this virus. Greater both because its consequences are greater and because it often happens without ever even knowing it. And that's the threat to our faith. Jesus said, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. But honestly, we're usually the opposite, aren't we? So maybe it's not pleasant, but it is good for us to hear and consider Peter's words today as hard as they might be. If the righteous are scarcely saved, If those righteous, those made righteous by grace through faith, are scarcely saved, then maybe we should pay attention. And we heard of the danger today from Peter in the first reading from Acts as we heard about Judas. And you all know his story, but but don't rush past it. I believe we usually do that because we're so used to hearing it. But I I don't think that... um, that's how it was in the upper room, where those 120 Christians were together. Because Judas was their friend. He, he had been their companion for three years. They had done everything together. They relied on him and he on them. He was one of the 12 pillars, the 12 disciples, Jesus' inner circle. 
and they were brothers. They were close. They would have done anything for Judas. And suddenly, without any warning, Judas turns on them. And they probably wondered how, what happened. And so as they gathered in that upper room and they were praying, they were also mourning. Not Jesus. They were joyful because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and ascension. But at the same time, mourning the loss of their friend. For this was a, was a tragedy. Scripture had to be fulfilled, Peter sadly said, and that's true. But that didn't make it any easier. Jesus was crucified, but he rose from the dead. Their friend wasn't coming back. Danger all around. Threats greater than the threat to your life. If the righteous is scarcely saved. How does that happen? How does a Judas happen? Well, there's probably a lot of different ways, but often it's the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh chipping away. Slowly eroding our foundation, little by little luring us away so that we don't even notice. What you once thought unthinkable, now you find yourself thinking about. Places you would never go, you start going. You're acting different. Your priorities have shifted. Why? It's because we're bombarded with messages that lead us toward death and not life. Things like new fears, depression, feeling as though there are no certainties in this world. And yet there is one certainty. And that's Christ and life in Christ. So Peter says, be sober-minded or be clear thinking about these things. Be watchful. Don't let down your guard. These are very good words coming from Peter. For he not only knew the sting of losing his friend Judas, but maybe he was also thinking about how close he came to being in that very same place. You see, he was the one who had denied Jesus three times. He was the one who tried to walk on water but sank like a stone. He was the one to whom Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan. If the righteous is scarcely saved. When Peter wrote that, I think he was talking about himself. And so there is danger all around. We rejoice in Christ's resurrection and in his ascension. But the world is still a dangerous and dark place. And so what about you? Are you in less danger? Are you less susceptible to the temptations of Satan, the allures of sin? Are you stronger than Peter? And maybe you think, I'd never be a Judas. I know that's kind of heavy stuff. It's not very Eastery. And so you might be thinking, hey, give us some good news. Well, Peter does. Peter does, for he also writes this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Humble yourself. Know yourself. Take a realistic look at yourself. How do you do that? You do that by repenting. By acknowledging not just the danger, but that you've given in, that you've been taken in, that you've turned away, that you too have gone your own way. 
You thought you were strong. You thought you could do it by yourself. You thought you were good on your own. But it all ends with repentance. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the good news is, he does. We cast all of our anxieties on him. We cast all our sin, our guilt, our shame, our failure, all our weaknesses. We cast it all on him because he cares for you. He wants it. He cares. You're not on your own. The reason he came down from heaven is because he cares. The reason he went to the cross is because he cares. The reason he's here in his word and sacrament for you is because he cares. He cares, and so he says, I forgive you for all of it. The sin that you're thinking of right now, I forgive you. The fact that you've drifted away from me, I forgive you. For taking me for granted, I forgive you. And those aren't just words. Because here, Jesus gives us his body and blood, most holy things to make you holy, to restore you, to confirm you, to strengthen you, to establish you, to make you his own and keep you close to him. For you are his child. You are baptized into Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that your sin doesn't matter. It certainly does. But it means that the love and mercy of Jesus is greater than than your sin. You see, Jesus knows how hard life is. He lived it. Life here in this world as a person like you, under the assault of Satan, facing the ridicule of the world, being tempted and lured, he knows all that. That's why he's here for you. That your future may not be an alkeldama, a field of your own blood, but yours would be a pasture of your good shepherd, washed in his blood. Jesus knows how hard life is, and that's why he also prays for you. We heard some of those words in the gospel today, culminating with these words. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. And you know how that happens? You know how we are kept as one with God? How we can be one with each other? Well, we know the answer. The answer is forgiveness. For when you have forgiveness, though we may not realize it, we have everything. For when we have forgiveness, we have Christ. You are a son, a daughter of the Father. And you have the Spirit who has given you such faith to believe. And in a world where life is hard and dangerous and dark and the righteous is scarcely saved, that is very good news to know. To know that you have Christ, to know you have a Father, to know you have the Spirit. You have someone you can rely on who will never, ever let you down. And that confidence is what turned Peter the denier into Peter the martyr. Peter didn't suddenly become strong on his own, but Christ and his Spirit were strong in him. And they are strong in you as well. Through his word, his water, his food, his forgiveness, he is strong in you. So that knowing the danger, you would know how great your Savior is. That knowing how great your sin, you would know how great his forgiveness. Knowing how great your weakness and fear, you know how great his strength and courage is to face anything, no matter what. And that's our joy this Easter season. Even though we've been isolated, forced to stay home, you've had God's resurrection word each and every week. 
And though you may suffer as a Christian, and though fiery trials may test you, though sin still lurks, and the devil still prowls, and the world still attacks, you have a Savior, a risen one, an ascended one, who cares for you, and who, whose care for you will never end. And though humble now, he will exalt you at the proper time, raising you from the dead to live and reign with him in eternity. For while Matthias was chosen to take Judas's place, Jesus was chosen to take your place on the cross. And you were chosen to take his place in heaven. That's our Easter joy. All the promises of scripture fulfilled for you. And so yes, the world is a dangerous, dark place. The things that we are facing are unprecedented and cause us to face some uncertainty in our finances, our health, and all the other struggles going on. And yes, the righteous is scarcely saved, but saved you are. And so as we go forth into this Memorial Day week, let me encourage you to remember those who have served and made the sacrifice for the freedoms that we enjoy today. At the same time, give thanks to God also for Jesus Christ and his willingness to serve, his commitment to our spiritual freedom and our eternal salvation. And then be confident in your daily faith battles, knowing that you are equipped by God to be that faithful warrior that makes a difference in the world around you. The need for a military force will most likely never disappear. It's through our soldiers, sailor, sail, sailors, airmen, and marines that we have the luxury of unprecedented freedoms. But only Christ can grant the freedom from sin that his sacrifice has granted us. And so therefore, we proclaim it loudly once again on this last Sunday of the Easter season. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.